Hello and welcome to the Big Blue Jar Personal Finance Education Podcast. This is episode number nine and today I'm going to discuss how to actually buy a share. It can be quite a confusing process and something that can be kind of overwhelming. Uh, Now first, if you haven't heard my episode about what a share is, then go back and listen to episode number five. And there I talk about what the shares or stocks are and how they work. And if you are thinking of buying shares and it's something you're interested in, I'll go through the steps today on how to actually buy them. So let's say that you've decided to buy that share, you've considered the strength of a company, you believe it's there's value in that company, and you see that they can either pay a good dividend or they're going to grow their value, or hopefully both. And you decided that owning part of that company is a good idea. So you're going to go and buy a share in that company. Now, what steps do you have to actually go through to own it? I'm going to talk through the practicalities of that. Uh, but first, if you're new to the podcast, welcome. My name's Dave and I'm a first responder and I work in emergency services. I'm a bit of a finance nerd and I'm making this podcast series to broaden my own financial education. And I want to share that knowledge with you so together we can broaden our understanding of finances and therefore get on top of it and create wealth and financial security. But disclaimer, I am not a financial advisor. So anything I do say here is really just for information and education purposes only. Any major or any decisions you want to make financially shouldn't come from my advice, but come from a registered financial advisor. Now let's get into it. For this episode, I'm going to use the example of uh, a Quanish share just to, to keep things simple. Uh, it's not to say you should or you shouldn't buy this share. It's just a real-world example. And remember that ETFs are the same as buying a single stock in a company. It works the exact same way in the stock market. So I'm going to use Qantas. So first thing you're going to want to do if you want to buy a share in that company is you're going to need a stockbroker. And we know there's two types of stockbrokers. There's the full service. That's the ones that makes decisions for you and purchasing for you and charges quite a lot of it. Think of the Wolf of Wall Street sort of guys. Uh, Or if you want to do it yourself and make your own investing decisions, that's what we're talking about today, is you use an online broker. So what online broker do you use? Well, there's plenty to choose from and they all effectively do the same thing. And... What you need to consider is which one is the right for you. So first you should think of uh, is the online stockbroker trading in the ASX. And most of the ones in Australia really are. But if you wanted to trade elsewhere, maybe in uh, international stocks, so maybe you want to buy some shares in Tesla or Coca-Cola, you're going to make sure that they trade in the New York Stock Exchange. But Really, for first-time buyers, most of the basic online stockbrokers are going to trade in the Australian Stock Exchange, so it's not something that's super concerning. Uh, One thing you do need to consider is how much they charge. Um, There are some discount brokers like Superhero, and they can charge only $5 for every trade that you make. Or there's the more traditional ones like Comsec or yeah, NAB ones that trade maybe trade about 20 bucks. Um, but what you need, also need to consider, is there a convenience aspect to it? 
Um, for me, I use Comsec because that's who I bank with and it's quite convenient. $20 isn't a great amount of money, especially if I'm uh, trading maybe $2,000 and I'm not trading all that often, maybe a couple times a year. So 20 bucks a hit, I'm happy to pay for the convenience to keep it all uh, in one banking system. But if you want to start out and have something that's a bit cheaper, maybe a superhero might be better for you. But whatever service you decide, you're going to need to sign up for them. And it's like signing up to any online account, whether it be a Facebook or a new email address. You're going to have to jump through some hoops. The only difference is it can be a little bit more involved. Like you might need to provide copies of your ID and tax file number. And it may take a day or two for that broker of service to verify you and sign up. So don't expect to be trading straight away. So, but it doesn't hurt to open that online account. Now, it, costs, it may cost nothing. Now, also importantly, you'll need to set up a place where you can deposit your money in to make the trades. This should be explained by this online stockbroker, but be aware that you may need a linked bank account or some type of virtual wallet or place that the broker can draw the money from whenever you buy a, buy a share. And it's also a place that they're going to deposit any money if uh, you were to sell some of the shares. So now you signed up, you decided what stock or ETF you want. Uh, and for us, I'm going to talk about Qantas. Uh, you're going to need to make an order. Now what the order is, is, is essentially you're asking the stockbroker, and in this case, I use Comsec, to broker a sale from another seller. So it's really kind of like the uh, real estate agent going to broker a sale of a property. They, a seller wants to sell and they'll find a buyer. Or in this case, where a buyer wanted to find a seller. So really just ordering or offering to buy a share. And you basically put that offer in with this online stockbroker and the broker takes that off to market to see if any one of the companies or individuals want to sell to you. So you'll get into your online stockbroking account and you'll follow the links to make a trade or place an order or however it's listed on that site. First, you'll be asked to put in the company code. And what is a company code? Well, it's a unique code for the company which can be traded on. So for example, our Qantas shares, the code is QAN. Uh, no other companies are going to be listed as QAN, so there's no mistake that can be made on what share you're buying. If you want to look up the code for you, whatever ETF or, or company you want to buy, you simply can Google it, really, uh, or better yet, search it on the ASX website, or really, otherwise, that company should list that stock code on their investment section of their website. Pretty simple to find out what it is. So next, you put in either the amount of shares you want to buy or the amount you're willing to spend. And this can get a little confusing for people, and this is where people can stumble and it becomes all too hard. But there are a couple of different ways to place that order. First is what's called a limit order. It's used when you want to buy your shares at a specific price. If buying, you set the maximum price you're willing to pay. So you put in how many shares you want to buy. So let's say you want to buy 100 shares and you put in how much you're willing to pay. So with Qantas, let's 
say for example it's trading at four dollars fifty i don't know what it really is at the moment but let's say for example it's four dollars fifty so maybe you put your limit order in at four dollars fifty one a little higher than the what is currently trading and that will probably make sure that someone will buy it because if i'm selling i want to sell at a higher price i'm going to take the order that's a little bit higher but maybe you also want to put it at a lower price and you want to get yourself a bargain. So maybe you put the limit order in at $4.45. So someone might be willing to pay you a little less than what it's worth to get rid of their shares and you'll get a bargain. So that's limit order. It's the limit that you're willing to pay. So what happens then is your broker takes your order or your offer to buy and sees if anyone is willing to share, sell you the shares at that price. If someone is, then good for you, you've made your purchase. However, if no one wants to buy them at that price, the sale just won't go through, and it might sit there until uh, someone does buy it. There's another way to make a offer, and it's called a market order. And this is where you're simply saying you're willing to pay whatever the market is selling at. So our Qantas shares, let's say, for example, they're sitting at $4.50, and you're just agreeing to pay whatever the current market is. The market could fluctuate up or down, but you're willing to just pay the current rate at the time of order. And as a side note, when it comes to ETFs or quality stocks and long-term investments, this is what I do, because when investing for the long-term, doesn't really matter if it goes up or down a few fractions as a cent when I go in. When I'm holding it for 10 or 15 years, that's going to be nothing in that time. So whether it's a market order or a limit order, you need to do your sums. And this is where a little bit of math can come into it, but suffice to say, most brokerage websites will show you the maths before you actually uh, click approve. So but let's go through it now for an example. Let's, let's say I've got a thousand bucks I'm willing to invest and I have to remember my brokerage fee and let's say that's $20. So now I've really only got $980 to spend on shares. And if you want to buy that Qantas share for $4.50, I can do my sums and I've got $980 divided by $4.50, that equals 217.77777 shares. Now, I can't buy a portion of a share. I can't buy 0.7 of a share. So really, I can only buy 217 shares. And that total is now $976.50. Add in 20 bucks of brokerage fee, that's $996.50. So I'll put my order in, either market or limit. And I'm going to put mine at market. And we wait for someone or a company to sell you those shares of that company. So let's take it back a bit. If I was going to do market order, I would put 217 at market price. If I was doing a limit order, I'm probably put 217 at $4.50. Either way, probably going to go that price. The market one is, is subject to fluctuate. So how long is my order good for? Well, this is where we can put in time and frames in it. And usually you'll, you'll be asked to do that in your stockbroking request. So you could list it as GTC, which is good till cancelled. And that's where your order 
is in until it gets cancelled by yourself. It could be in indefinitely until you cancel it. Or you could put in as GTE, which is good till expired. That's where you set a date where your order is good until. So you might say, I'm going to put this in for a week. And if it doesn't sell at that price, then I'll have to reassess. The third way is you could put it as good for a day. And this is probably the preferred method. It means at the end of the trading day, which is 4 p.m. Sydney time, if it's not picked up at that time, the offer will automatically expire and you'll have to put it in again for the next day. Now, why is this preferred? It's because if you put it as good till cancelled or good till expiry, it could be subject to market fluctuations overnight, which you might not be aware of. So if it does expire at the end of the day and not sold, uh, you just jump on and reorder it again. Now, another interesting side note is when, what time of day do you put your orders in? It may not be too big a deal for a simple investor, but just so you're aware, the market is only open for trading from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Sydney time, Monday to Friday. So what does that mean for for us? So let's say you're sitting in Perth at 9 o'clock at night on a Saturday night and you want to make an order. Well, that order is not going to be taken to market until 10 a.m. Sydney time on Monday morning. And in that, there might be market fluctuations uh, that you might not be aware of uh, if you're not abreast of it, but that order won't go through at least until 10 a.m. Sydney time. If you put your order in at 3.59 on Tuesday, Sydney time, it doesn't get picked up, then it might expire or we might have to put it in again for the next day. So these are some things just to be aware of um, that if you're putting it in during trading times, it might get picked up right away. But if you're not, it can take, a, it can take some time until uh, trading opens. Now, so you put your order in through the online stockbroker. Your order goes off with the stockbroker to the Australian Stock Exchange or whatever, international stock exchange, but for us, we use the Australian stock exchange, and they post it for anyone to sell their shares. If it, someone wants to sell them to you, the purchase order gets sold, and you'll get a notification, usually through the email or on, on the app or whatever. So congratulations. You're now a part owner of a company or an ETF. You, if you're an ETF, you'll then be owning several companies. Now, what happens next? Well, First and foremost, you need to make sure you have that money ready for when it's sold. When I make a trade, before I even click through approve on that trade, I make sure that money is in the account. However, it does take usually one, two or three days for the funds to be collected, but really you need to make sure the money is in that online account ready to be transferred for that sale. If it's not, there's gonna be a lot of problems. Now, you'll be able to see the, straight away your stock's progress, and even within that day, it might go up or it might go down. If it goes down, well, just big deal. It will probably come good sooner or later. 
my recommendation is once you've bought it, don't look at the price for another few weeks. Now, what about all that tax stuff and the dividends and the company wants to tell you about a new CEO? How does that happen? Well, that's where a share registry comes into play. And this is part of the ownership of it is you'll need to be familiar with your share registry. And what is a share registry? Well, when a company lists their stocks on the stock exchange, the company points to share registry to manage all the admin sort of side of it. It manages all things like tax reports, payment of dividends and company reports and, and voting and that sort of stuff on behalf of the company. So for example, if one of Qantas wants to pay me a dividend or pay me some uh, money out of their profits, I'll have to, they'll have to report that through the share registry and the share registry will let me know on behalf of Qantas and they'll also handle all the my personal tax stuff. So they'll give me a tax statement for that so that I can put against my uh, personal income tax statement. Now the sh- main share registries in Australia are boardroom, computer share or link market services. You don't get to choose what share registry it is. It's really up to the company that what one they use. And how do you do that? Well, my experience, they'll usually contact you uh, soon after, might be take a few days uh, and tell you to sign up to a share registry. If you're already a part of that registered company, then it'll probably just appear pretty quickly on your, um, on your in that account. They'll identify your holder identification number. And that's a that's a unique number to you that uh, needs to be kept restricted and will link you to the share registry. Uh, and if you're not a, signed up to it already, you'll just have to jump through some basic steps on signing up to an online account. And when you do get into that, that share registry account, there's a few things you really have to make sure of. Make sure your tax file number is listed. That's very important. So any of your earnings through dividends or sales can be easily and appropriately reported to the ATO. Another thing you want to do is list your bank account. So any uh, dividends can actually be paid through there as well. Uh, And this is uh, also very important for for our long-term wealth is that if the company you've bought does offer a dividend reinvestment scheme, you'll need to tell them that you want to participate. It's not an automatic thing. I recommend always participating in it because it's a pillar to automating your wealth creation and your compounding interest. So you'll need to navigate your way through the registry to participate in a DRP, Dividend Reinvestment Plan. That's about it for the share registry. You're going to receive some correspondence about a chest statement from the ASX. Uh, That's not super important. Uh, Remember, there will be tax implications for any dividends you receive or dividends in the form of a dividend reinvestment plan. We'll also have to pay tax on. Uh, That's for another episode to talk about with uh, franking credits and how that all works for your personal tax. Also, I very much recommend keeping good records of any of the purchases that you make. That's purchases even in the form of dividend reinvestments. So that's really important to 
list for when you come to sell them. You want to know how much you've purchased, when you've purchased them, and how much you've paid for that. So just keep a simple Excel spreadsheet, maybe even a Google Docs uh, spreadsheet on how much you paid, when you bought them, how many you bought, and what you paid for them. It'll pay off heaps when you go to sell your shares down in the future. And that's about it. There's not too much more to learn on how to actually physically purchase them and things you need to consider post-purchasing them. If you've got any more questions, head over to my Facebook page and um, post there. Uh, otherwise, there's a lot of great information on the internet about it. My recommendation is just to dip your toes in there and experience it. The best way to learn is to do. Um, that's about it from me this time. Please like my Facebook page and, and drop me a comment and and give me some five-star reviews on whatever podcasting app that you're using. That's it for me, guys. Stay safe out there, guys, and take care of each other. Bye.